Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. My guest today is Mike Keyes, Chief Operating Officer at SCP Auctions. SCP Auctions, based in Southern California, is one of the leading sports memorabilia auction houses in the country. Just a few weeks ago, SCP made headlines when they sold a ripped T206 Honus Wagner for nearly half a million dollars. Mike joined the company in 2019 and has seen firsthand the rise in sports memorabilia and the rise of new asset classes like Type 1 photographs and ticket stubs. And we discussed the multifaceted role he plays as the COO. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mike. All right, Mike, thanks for... uh joining us on the Alts Podcast. Really good to have you. I know it's been a, a busy uh, couple of weeks since you had the big auction, right, with the half a Honus. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. It was a, it was a blast uh, selling that card and uh, many of the other items that sold in the auction. Uh, it just kind of went crazy. And, you know, it's been the case the last few years. Uh, auction prices have just been just going up. So it, it was a lot of fun. You know, with this boom in the card industry and sports memorabilia, and, you know, a lot of it is from the, the retail investors or the collectors, let me put it that way, that are have this increased way of, of making money, They've, they've the hobby is resurging. And then from there, the auction houses have definitely seen um, a, an uptick, right? Because they're really kind of uh, a good way of measuring how healthy the hobby is in terms of the, the prices that are being realized. Oh, for sure. And all of the new segments that have kind of, you know, sprouted up over the last few years, you know, like the alternative asset companies like Rally and uh, Collectible and and the fractional investments, you know, it's been a compliment to the auction industry, you know, if you ask me or, or some of my colleagues here. And and so, um, yeah, the, the cards certainly have just gone absolutely berserk, especially when you have low population, high grade cards. You know, we had a couple auctions ago, a 61 set break that was all PSA nines and tens. And there was some pops of one, pops of twos. And we set a couple dozen records, right? And if you give those cards to pretty much any auction house, they're gonna perform that way, right? In, in this, in the way the market's been the last couple of years, so it's been really exciting for us and for just kind of the hobby in general. And yeah, the market's very healthy for sure. And you mentioned having certain assets, but if you could talk a little bit about that, the the couple of weeks ago, you had the half a Honus Wagner, and it, it kind of made national headlines, right? Because it was such a unique card that literally the card was ripped in half. And you really didn't know which way it was going. It was just, you know, it's this holy grail of, of a card, but it's just half of it. And you're kind of like wondering, what do I make of this? You mentioned you had other great items there. You had some Jordan sneakers as well that I can just recall off the top of my head. But that really was the the showstopper. How has it been since that auction? Yeah, no, we've definitely, you know, there was a lot of buzz, you know, during the auction and leading up to the auction. And then, of course, after the auction, you know, we've had a lot of inquiries about the Wagner um, you know, the reason we got this half a Wagner in the first place is because we had that restored copy that sold in October for 1.1 million. And so we got a lot of calls and this one popped up in our emails. Right. And, and we said, oh, what what is this? And we call the the guy and we had a great conversation. And you know, one thing leads to another. You know, we do our job on, on getting him to consign it to us. And 
we figured, you know, it's probably a low six-figure card is what we kind of originally estimated. But once we started seeing kind of the buzz leading up to the auction, we were thinking, hey, this thing could go off. Who knows where this thing's going to land? And, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of different types of collectors were on this. And, you know, one of the things that I feel probably helped with the bidding activity was people are trying to build a T206 complete set. And not everyone can get a Honus Wagner to complete that set, right? And this was kind of an opportunity, a golden opportunity to kind of get in on a Wagner that could help complete your set for a relatively low price, right? Compared to other Wagners and the way those have been selling of late. So yeah, it did really well. It performed great. And you know, I think 475 is a really strong number for <laughs> a card that's ripped in half. But it was a lot of fun to sell that car, a lot of fun to handle it and um, just have it in person. So, yeah, we talk about other items as well. You know, lot number nine was a world record for any Ed Matthews card. So, you know, that was awesome. That sold for one hundred sixty one thousand dollars. And we did not, not expect that figure on that card. But here we are. So a lot of other odd items in the auction kind of went crazy too. So we can get into that as well. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like having that headline item really kind of helped bring attention to these other items that are maybe also rare, right? That, that Ed Matthews, that, that card was in such great shape that it kind of drove people to kind of, Hey, I want that in my collection because there's not that many out there in that condition. Sure. Sure. No. And I mean, one had recently sold at a competitors of ours, um, Ed Matthews, a 52 Ed Matthews in the same grade for about 91,000, I believe. And so we figured, yeah, this is probably going to land around there. And so, you know, I think just the way the market's going for rare cards, there's only two graded higher. I can't remember the exact pop. I think it's a pop of 14. That's not like a super extremely low pop, but it's still low pop. They don't pop up every day. The Ed Matthews don't. And, um, you know, this had really strong eye appeal. So, you know, we were very pleased with that result. And, you know, the Wagner, we we marketed a heck of a lot, right? But we also marketed the three World Series balls from the Braves. We had the Dansby Swanson, we had the Freddie Freeman, and we had the um, Jorge Soler balls. And those got a ton of press just, you know, in Houston and Atlanta. And so we saw a lot of new activity from there as well. And, you know, who knows? Sometimes people come in, they see those items, and then they start exploring and seeing what else is out there. And, um, you know, it sparks maybe a new buyer that's going to come into the hobby for the first time. And they realize, oh, wow, what are these? What are these sports cards and these championship rings and these game worn sneakers, right? Michael Jordan's game worn shoes. You know, they, they don't know. And, and so we certainly, every auction, we have that type of buyer coming in and it's fun to see the hobby grow. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned that that honus kind of landed in your emails. How do you guys source all these items? Because some of them are, are just like museum quality stuff you know some of them are, are really iconic things that um i'm looking like an, an oakland a's uh batting helmet reggie jackson's i can see him in the helmet right from from different like highlights that i've i saw as a young kid what's the majority uh of the times that you get your your inventory there's several different mediums in which we source material you know the first and foremost our owner and president david kohler has been around for 40 years right and so we've grown a database here for decades, right? We've got tens of thousands of buyers in our database and, and also sellers. And so we, you know, we can see what people have bought and sold over the years. And, and that's an, not an easy way, but it's one of the ways in which we, you know, make contact with some of the people and say, Hey, you know, it's, you bought this 
you know, 52 metal, you know, in 2010, it's, it's gone up, you know, how 500 X since then. Right. And so those types of opportunities are always kind of the ways you know, we're always trying to reach those people. We also have a full scale marketing team here. And so, you know, warm leads come from our, you know, our outreach, our consignment outreach, uh, the Wagner that we got, the half of Wagner, actually, that was just from good PR, right? We had that other uh, restored copy that sold, like I had mentioned, and that made headlines. Somebody else, some other outlet picked it up, and the guy who had the half of Honus saw it and reached out, and, and and here we are, right? And he said, hey, I saw you had a Wagner. I have one, too. And, you know, and, and we don't scoff at anybody, right? Because a lot of people had Wagners, right, they think. And, and of course, we're going to take a look and um, and it's, it's like, Hey, you know, you, you either have one or you don't. And, and in this case, even though it was a half Wagner, he had one, a genuine, as it says on the slab Wagner. So, yeah. So those are just a few of the ways we source, uh, we conduct tons of private sales, um, kind of all throughout the year. That's uh, a, one of our main sources of revenue here is private sales. And so we meet people that way as well. And so the auction and the private sales kind of complement each other. We meet people through the auction and then we also meet people through private brokerage. And, and then, um, you know, we're able to get stuff on both ends from, from both of those channels. And I noticed that based on your inventory, right, that you have a lot of kind of inventory from the West Coast. It's interesting because I was doing some research. I see a lot of the, the auction houses are based in the Northeast, you know, New Jersey, is there any kind of strategic advantage to being where you guys are? You're kind of sandwiched in between San Diego and Los Angeles. You're in that Southern California area. Sure. I mean, you know, ultimately, you know, being out here is probably, you know, a, a disadvantage to some, right? Some of our competitors would probably use that against us. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's 2022, right? And we have boots on the ground. We have colleagues that we work with on the East coast that are in New York city. And we've had them travel to DC for us and travel all throughout the, the Northeast, right. Where the most of the population is located. And we're able to get items that way. If people aren't comfortable shipping, right. We provide a shipping label in, in a lot of cases, right. Depending on the value of the items and we insure everything. So we try to make people as comfortable as possible with popping it in, in UPS with us, right. And letting us handle the logistics. But if you've got a, high six figure, you know, seven or seven figure item, right? We'll either have one of our experts fly out or we'll have one of our experts that's on the ground there, just, you know, contract them to go up and get the item. And so that's, that's how we do it. But one of the advantages though, that I would say that we have is we're, we're a 20 minute drive from PSA's headquarters, right? And so we have a lot of relationships at PSA, all the auction houses do as well. But you know, I would say it is nice and convenient for us to be able to just hand deliver and drop off and pick up uh, cards and, and autographed items for, for authentication at PSA. But of course, PSA travels just as Beckett does. Beckett comes to our office, you know, Steve Grad and his team, they come to our office too and, and authenticate stuff all the time. So, you know, it is nice to be that close to PSA, but I'd say we technically have a disadvantage, but yeah, we like the weather here. <laughs> We were talking earlier, you mentioned that you lived in the, in the East Coast, you lived in New York for, for a couple of years. Do you mind going into that? Like right now, so you're the COO at SCP and uh, how did you go into that role? And have you always been sort of like a, a sports fan or was this something that you kind of like, you know, that you saw yourself taking a role doing something in an auction house? Wow. My journey is is interesting. I, um, you know, luckily I'm the season I'm in now is, is it's been so fulfilling and we're so blessed to be in this industry now, but. Um, you know, I came into it 
uh, in 2019, uh, I had been working for a uh, manufacturing and distribution company as a general manager for about six years out here in Orange County. Before that, I was in a regional operations role for a tourism company in New York City, uh, as you mentioned. And so I always, you know, I'd been in leadership roles, even while I was in college, I was a shift manager, you know, for In-N-Out Burger, you know, they have one of the best management programs in the world for on any corporate level. Really? Yeah, I absolutely. And uh, so, you know, during college, I I did that, you know, so I've always kind of been in leadership roles. And so uh, whatever I was going to do is going to be in the leadership capacity. But I, you know, Obviously, I'm passionate about sports. I love. I'm a huge Los Angeles Lakers fan. I grew up watching the Raiders. Uh, we're Angels and Dodgers, you know, people around here. So I, I, my wife's a big Angels fan. So I've kind of adopted the Angels, right? I love Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and my kids they are like a three and a half year old is obsessed with baseball. Loves Otani. So yeah, sports is a big part of my life. So having the opportunity, you know, seeing the opportunity to get into SCP auctions, you know, kind of in the sports business in 2019, I, I took a shot and, you know, I made the basket. I got in. Right. And and now I'm working with uh, David Kohler is one of the most respected folks in the hobby. And I've just, you know, absorbed as much as possible from all the folks that have, you know, were here when I first got here, you know, Dan Immler was here. He's, he's a uh, very well-known and respected person a uh, person in the hobby uh, brendan wells is another who's our former auction director i've just absorbed a ton from these guys and have have just grown into this you know coo role which you know technically i came in as an operations manager but you know i was kind of uh you know still learning uh, for the first year or so kind of how how everything worked but from a business standpoint it was just kind of same old, right? You need IT, you need finance, right? You need to have, uh, you know, manage people, right? And so from that aspect, but getting into the sports memorabilia and cards, that was really a lot of fun to kind of just see where this thing is going, see where the industry's going, um, and and just kind of just get in and, and while it's hot, right? And and just continuing to see it grow has been really fun. It's been a blessing. It's it's always uh, interesting how, because it sounds to me like you you, you had these leadership roles but you came in from another industry and your skills were able to translate into, you know, something that's very specific, right? Like a sports auction house. And I'm sure you've done very well. Could you talk about that? Like, was it something where it was a steep learning curve or, or, you know, the, the foundation that you had, your skills you had really, you felt translated very well because SCP could have hired somebody with maybe more sports experience, but they obviously saw that, you know, you had something that, that they wanted. Sure. No, I originally filled a need here, right. Which was from a bit, purely a business perspective, you know, logistics, finance, operational stuff, right? Kind of the nuts and bolts of any business. So I filled that space that they needed help with, right? Right away. And as I was in doing that stuff, I also was able to having, you know, the the knowledge of sports and sports history that I do have, I've, you know, collected sports cards growing up, right? Kind of casually, right? And I've always been a sports fan, right? So that helped, right? Kind of learning the stuff. But uh, the memorabilia and cards and stuff, it's, you know, if, if you're interested in something uh, and you want to learn about something like, like sports memorabilia and cards, for instance, I, I feel if you're, you're passionate about sports in general, it's, it's something that was kind of relatively easy to kind of get into, right? And really, when it comes to sports cards, a lot of it is just data tracking, right? When you're talking about prices and values and populations, and, and I love that stuff. I love getting into the analytics of it all. And and that really helped me kind of just 
embed myself as kind of just more of a well-rounded uh, sports memorabilia and, and card expert as, I, as I've kind of grown into this role, right? But the operational stuff, right? I filled that need and, and that's stuff that I had, you know, an expertise in already, right? So that was stuff that wasn't super complicated. So it gave me an opportunity to dig into this other great side of the business on the sales side. You know, I've, you know, I wear a lot of hats here. And um, again, it's, it's just been a blessing. It's been a lot of fun. So as a COO, what, what is the coolest part of your job? Here, it's handling the artifacts, right? And, you know, some of my favorite items to hold are game used bats. I mean, I just, I never really knew much about game used equipment and stuff until I got here, you know, in 2019. And having handled a handful of Babe Ruth bats and, uh, you know, a 1938 Lou Gehrig bat that we sold for, I think, 715 grand about a year ago. I mean, that piece was so awesome to handle. It was, it's beautiful. One of the first things I do, my colleagues probably think I'm weird, is when we get a vintage game used bat from, you know, the the early 20th century, I, I smell the bat. I love that smell. <laughs> I love, it smells like an old cabin or something, right? And I know what you mean because, you know, I collect um, like vintage football cards. They, they just have a distinct smell. Like that's one of the first things I do. I'm like, and, and that's really to me, one of the first signs I look for if it's authentic or not. Like, does it have that smell? <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the 70s top super football set we have in the upcoming auction? Yeah. And I actually, I actually have, uh, you know, uh, like half of that collection, just not in the same shape or like. That's awesome. Man. So <laughs> that is a cool set. That is a, for sure a cool set. So what about the other part? What is the most stressful part of your job that maybe isn't obvious to somebody that's looking looking from the outside? Oh man, stressful. I wouldn't say I you know, I try to avoid the word stress, but yeah, I mean there's some things that are challenging here, you know, as in any business, uh, when it comes to just, you know, you gotta do all the accounting and the sales tax stuff that's, you know, popped up over the last few years and uh with online sales, right? And um, some of that kind of just nuts and bolts stuff is it's not stressful. It's just challenging and it takes away from kind of the stuff I'm passionate about, right? Which is handling the memorabilia and, and the cards. And, and so, you know, once you get spoiled handling the, the assets, as you guys call them in the fractional uh, space, you know, it kind of just is a bummer to have to do kind of that day-to-day business stuff, right? As you can imagine, but it's part of the job and, and, you know, and every business needs to have those those things taken care of. And so, of course, I've got staff here that helps with a lot of that stuff, too. But, you know, that that's probably more uh, challenging is to kind of actually get distracted by the business side, which is absolutely necessary, rather than being able to handle all the fun stuff all the time. I would think as much enjoyment as I would get holding something that's historic, right? I would be like, kind of like, I hope I don't rip this. I don't, I hope I don't mess this up. To me, that would be like sort of the stressful part. Yeah. No, I mean, we're very careful with the stuff we've got protocols in place. And, um, you know, if a card comes in a holder, that's, you know, that's great. A lot of times, like we have that, uh, 1914 Cracker Jack that came in, that was not in a holder. So yeah, that is a little bit nerve wracking, right? When you're holding this card, that's got a crease in it already. And you're like, okay, we got to put it in this card saver very carefully. And we got to get it over to PSA. And, and, uh, so that, that can be a little bit nerve wracking, but yeah, no, it's, uh, you definitely want to be careful. You don't want to be dropping vintage bats and stuff like that. Right. So we're very careful with that stuff. And, um, sure. Yeah, that can be that can be a little nerve wracking. So wait a minute that that Joe Jack you said it didn't come in like a, in a top loader. The person brought it in just absolutely raw. So 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we, we had the raw card here, and we're going, okay, great. we have card savers here, of course, right? So we're like, let's grab a card saver. First thing you do is put it in there, and then, you know, you just got to be careful putting it in the card saver too, right? <laughs> so, no, I mean, a lot of times people don't know what they, you know, they, they hey, I found this, you know, my grandpa had this or whatever, and some people just don't know, right? That's so interesting. Let's talk about the items themselves. You have to be careful, right? with what's being brought to you right because you don't know if it's real or not or if the provenance is, is solid how difficult is it sometimes to uh, authenticate what's brought to you and then have there ever been times where you're like i really wish we could put this in, in an, into our auction but you can't because you're just not really sure if it's real or not yeah that's a great question you know most of the time probably i'd say 95 percent of the time we're able to kind of nip that stuff in the bud before it even gets into our office right and pictures and you know paperwork and or lack thereof right is is something that we obviously would look at before we actually have something delivered or dropped off here in our office and so we've got you know a lot a wealth of experience here with you know David Kohler our, our a couple of our acquisitions guys we've got Tim Gallagher we've got Dylan Kohler here and then we also have it's kind of a blessing is is being in an auction house and having these relationships is we we have friends and, and um, kind of colleagues that work for Beckett and PSA and JSA, right? And you can sometimes run stuff by those guys ahead of time, right? And say, hey, I don't want to get this Michael Jordan ball shipped here from, you know, from New York if we don't have to. Like, what do you think, right? And sometimes we can get those opinions um, ahead of time before we waste our time and energy. But yeah, I, mean, I can't think of an item that we had in here that I, we were like, you know, since I've been here, at least we're like, oh man, it just doesn't, it's, it's just not going to pass the test. Right. It's not authentic or whatever and, and had to pull it. So thankfully we haven't, we, uh, and then when it comes to sports cards, a lot of people bring in, you know, replicas, right. Of making 52 tops mantles. Right. And it's just have to say, you know, no, thanks. Sorry. If we wish it was real too. It's just not. Right. And, um, so, but yeah, I can't think of a specific item though that was like, oh man, can't can't run it. Like you said, you guys do before it's even brought in the office. I mean, you guys, you know, make sure you know what you're doing, right? So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, photos. Sometimes we FaceTime with people if they have larger collections. Uh, but you know, you can generally get a lot of that stuff out of the way via email right away. You'll know usually, right? And if somebody's got a really sweet like ABA warm up or jersey or something. David Kohler, our, like I said, our owner, he's got one of the largest vintage basketball Lakers collections in the world. So if there's ever anything that has to do with game worn or anything like that, it's like, hey, Dave, what do you think? And and uh, he's he's very good at spotting stuff, you know, red flags right away. So before it even gets in here, we, we generally get that out of the way. Absolutely. Okay. So you guys have the items. They've been they've been sold. They've they've realized these amazing prices. And now the other end, now you got to get them out to the the winners, right? The the people who won the bids. How do you transport a, you know, a half a million or a million dollar asset? And that's just one thing, one, one item, right? And you're transporting all these other things. What does mail day look like at SCP once the auctions are finished? Yeah, we're, we're still in full blown um, shipping mode right now from the last auction. So as, as payments come in, we, we ship, right? And for a like the half Wagner, right? That's going on an armored truck, and uh, you know anything that's multiple six figures or seven figure items, we're we're doing armored delivery service, and 
And uh, there's a lot of services out there that do it, but um, that's something we just feel like is probably the best method of delivery for something like that uh, for both parties, right? The buyer and us, right? Just to protect everybody. A lot of overnight shipments, right? The less hands that touch something at UPS, the better. Of course, we fully insure everything. And so, yeah, it's, it's hectic, right? We've got a full shipping calendar still through the end of next week um, from all the invoices that we just had. So yeah, it's very busy. Our shipping managers, this is, this is where he, he makes his money, right? Yeah. You know that when you say, um, yeah, just packing it, making sure everything is, is, you know, secure, not going to move around, especially with memorabilia, I would imagine. But yeah, that, that armored truck, I just get this you know, it's just funny to me, you know, I usually think of an armored truck being full of <laughs> bars of gold and a ton of cash, but these, these cards are, are they, you know, they're, they're, they're gold, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're a lot of these armored transports, they're, they're the same guys who are delivering those multi-million dollar paintings from Sotheby's and Christie's, right? And they're also the ones who are, they're transporting, you know, fine wine from all these, you know, wine auctions and, and they're also transporting diamonds and stuff, but you know, these cards are now, they're fine art, you know what I mean? And, and they're, they're, uh, they are gold. And so, um, these are super valuable assets that need to be treated as such. And, and, and that's what we do. Mike, I'm looking at some of the items that you have for the upcoming auction. Before I do that, I, I noticed that there's, there's trends, you know, in the hobby right now and things that are hot right now are like tickets, uh, type one photos. And we talked about before game use memorabilia has seen kind of a, an increase in say the last year to six months. What do you guys do when you when you notice that there's a this shift right in demand that the that right now tickets are the thing? How do you adjust your strategy to make sure that you have more of those in your auction? Sure. Well, you know, part of what we do is we look at who's in our database and who owns this stuff because we can look at that and you know we'll do some outreach to them. Um, sometimes we'll put a marketing campaign together, uh, you know, whether it's email or direct uh, mail and it'll, you know, specifically point out it's looking for type one original photographs, looking for important, uh, tickets and, uh, fully graded tickets and stubs. Right. And, and so certainly that's how we get some of the stuff. And also the folks who have been collecting this stuff for years, they, you know, they're paying attention too, and, and they're seeing that now's a good time to sell or now's a time, good time to get in on it. Right. And, the type ones, we had a ton in our last auction. I don't remember the number of lots, but we had a great, you know, reception to all of the type one photos we had in. And it was really exciting to watch the, some of those photos kind of take off. It's still quite unregulated when it comes to type ones, like versus sports cards, right? With the grades on them and, and the way the data is collected there. There's not like a pop report, right? And also every single type one is, you know, technically it's, it's a one of one, you know what I mean? So that has been really fun. That's actually one of my favorite categories, um, original photographs. And since PSA has been slabbing them, I mean, they just look so much, they just look so much better in those holders. And it's been really fun to handle those and watch that segment grow over the last year and a half. You touched on tickets. Those are super hot right now. We sold that Willis Reed ticket. I think it brought 30 grand. That was awesome to watch, you know, you know, when it comes to tickets, it's, it's, you know, what's significant about the ticket, right? MJ's first game tickets coming out here, you know, and another at a competitors coming up, I think it's closing this weekend. That's an awesome ticket. Um, it's going to do crazy numbers. So yeah, we love handling that stuff. When it comes to game used, 
you know, PSA recently started doing that pop report on some of the hall of famers and, and stuff on their, on their database. And that has really helped and encouraged a lot of activity on the game used bat side. And so we've seen some crazy numbers. We had, we've sold some bats privately for high six figures. And uh, we've also had a lot of uh, great game used bats in our most recent auctions. That Maguire bat we recently had from Javi Lopez's personal collection. That was a record for any Maguire bat. It brought 48,000 or something like that. So all those segments are growing and, with the with the sports cards staying hot and continuing to grow you know sky's the limit for the rest of this memorabilia right i think championship rings are next let's go you know let's get those on board too it's not even so much if you believe long term in it like right because right now and you know from from a third party standpoint right i could stand there and be like i'm, I'm a little bit you know skeptical about the the ticket market right now because you know not all tickets are, are created equal and i could see something historic from the early you know, 20th century, as opposed to something that happened maybe, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, fetching thousands of dollars. But in your sense, like, you know, you, you're kind of just seeing, Hey, this is what the market is demanding right now. Let's make sure that we provide this opportunity for potential buyers. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just like any business, you're going to want to go where the best possibility for revenue stream is right. And tickets are hot. So we're going to go after some tickets, right. And so are our competitors. So, you know, when the modern market really started to take off for, for cards, right? It's like, hey, we got to get some modern cards in here. There's there's a demand for that and we need to serve our customers uh, by supplying it. So um, it's just like any other business in that regard. But, you know, from an investment standpoint, you know, a lot of these assets, as you guys call them, is, you know, they, that's what they are. I don't think there's ever been a Honus Wagner that has been bought in one period of time and has sold for less in the future. So that's a crazy stat that, that I've heard. And I'm pretty sure it's legit. I just got to look at VCP on that. But yeah, it's, it's crazy when you see some of those, those trends. And sports cards have outperformed the S&P 500 by, I don't know how much, but several hundred percent over the last 30, 40 years. So, you know, and, and I think memorabilia, I really do believe that memorabilia is, is going to catch up too. And, and uh, maybe not to the, the crazy levels that some of these cards are, but certainly when it comes to rarity and population and also just tangibility, when you're talking about like a game worn Jackie Robinson Jersey or something, right? There's not very many of those out there. And the opportunity to own that type of, you know, asset is uh, it's very rare. And in my opinion, it's, it's important uh, to have those in the right hands. So, you know, certainly you have guys who are in the business of straight being dealers and flipping stuff and, and trying to treat it like the, you know, day trading, but there's also these long-term investment minded folks and also just pure hobbyists, pure collectors. We have a lot of those people that are still out there, right? They, they want something so bad they they don't care what the price is, right? They're a collector and that's what they want. And so, yeah, it, it keeps everything kind of fresh and healthy uh, overall. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine you said, you know, having a Jackie Robinson jersey, right, hanging up on your wall. And that's something that, you know, you probably would only be able to see, I don't know, uh, behind with a behind the scenes tour of Cooperstown, right? The, the, their museum there. So it's just, you're owning, like you said, you mentioned this before, a piece of American history. And with that in mind, like, is there anything that you mentioned game use bats before? You're holding a, a Garrick bat, you're holding a Ruth bat. Any other assets that have kind of, you know, you see this in person where you're like, this is really 
really even better in person than, you know, when you're just reading about it. Well, certainly, I mean, I mentioned championship rings a second ago, but, you know, when we get those in, they're just shiny objects, man. They're beautiful. And no picture does a championship ring justice, in my opinion. You know, and you see these diamonds kind of just flashing around in, in front of you and you, you, we've got our loops, right? We're looking at the diamonds and uh, all the nooks and crannies of these things. I mean, they're so intricate and well-designed and especially like some of these newer rings, that Blackhawks ring we just sold for 78 grand. I mean, that thing is a shiny object. It is beautiful. Uh, there's so many diamonds on it. It's, it's so sparkly, right? And, and so, I mean, you know, of course the game used stuff for me, like, those things have an aura, right? That like holding a Gehrig bat has an aura. It's like, this thing is special. And the championship ring has a different kind of feel, right? It's like, wow, this is shiny and beautiful. And, and you know, it's, it's bling, right? And it's just, it's, it's fun to look at And uh, But you know, there's different elements to everything we handle, but yeah, I, I'd say that. Uh, and when you talk about championship rings, they've been getting bigger. The new champion just wants to outdo the previous one. They're like, oh, you got 20 diamonds, we'll put in 25. Last question, you're talking about this upcoming auction that you guys have, the spring auction. You're coming off your successful winter auction. What are the highlights? We talked a little bit before about the 1970 Tops football set. We talked about the, the Cracker Jack. Any other um, big items that you're really excited to see um, going up? So far, we haven't really had like a huge blue chip item come through the door yet. But, you know, it, it'll come and we're working on that. It, it's going to happen, right? Like it always does. But we have another PSA 10 McGuire bat. That's got a Larusa LOA also, but having that PSA 10 on there is special, right? So we'll see how that one performs versus the Javi Lopez one from a couple auctions ago. Uh, certainly that Cracker Jack Joe Jackson. Let's see what happens with that. Those are rare. Those don't pop up every day. It's got great eye appeal too for a PSA one and a half. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, we've got another 51 Parkhurst uh, Gordy Howe rookie in a six. You know, that's probably a $15,000, $20,000 card. We're excited about that. Um, and we've also had kind of just like a nice influx of championship rings already come in. 2012 San Francisco Giants, 2000 New York uh, football Giants. Got its 2016 Cleveland Indians AL championship ring and and uh, a 98 Yankees ring. So, you know, we're already getting kind of an influx of some, some pretty decent stuff, right? We're looking for obviously a, you know, that six figure, seven figure stuff. And, and that's going to come. We're working on that constantly. And we've also got a couple of uh, type ones in already. So I expect to see a lot more coming in soon. But my favorite type one we have right now, that's going to be in the sale. It's a uh, 1921 Babe Ruth. And he's wearing a basketball uniform with the knee pads and everything. And it's a worldwide photos, PSA type one, really cool piece, right? Unique Babe Ruth in a basketball uniform. Awesome. And it's early Ruth too. It's like 1921. That is so cool. It's kind of in the between Red Sox and Yankees phase, right? And it's it's just uh, I really like that image of him, and um, I kind of like the format too. It's kind of a more of like a vertically uh, shot photo. So it'll be fun to see what happens with that. It's not probably a you know it's not like a six figure item, but it's just a cool, unique, rare piece, right? So those are fun to handle as well. Yeah, those photos are like, it takes you back to a different time, right? When you would actually go to the store and drop off your film to develop it. And you got back like the photos from your family vacation. Those were priceless, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and now everything's online. Yeah. And back to the tickets, they don't make tickets anymore, right? <laughs> so that's another reason why that market, I think, is going to continue to stay hot and gain more traction. It's There aren't printed tickets anymore. 
they just don't exist anymore, right? And so there is a finite amount out there of sports tickets and stubs from historic events and, and, and those historic events that are happening now, right? Like there won't be tickets produced for them, you know, sadly. So yeah. Yeah. Don't even get me started on that. I don't, you know, we can go down that road another time, but um, you know, uh, like it or not, I think NFTs are here to stay, but, and there, there's obviously some, some demand there. So yeah. Well, take us, you'll have NFTs now, right? Everybody at the Super Bowl got an NFT. Last question, and thanks so much for your time, Mike. Um, you can actually request a catalog to see what's going to be coming up in an auction, or is that just kind of, you've kind of kept that name? You're talking about our uh, print catalogs? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. We have a very large mailing list that um, continues to stay fresh. So uh, generally, if you've won something with us within the last three years, you're getting one. And then also we've got just kind of legacy people that are in our database that they always get one. And certainly people are always requesting to be added to our list. And there are some guys who are like, hey, I'm trying to save the environment. I don't want one anymore and I don't need one. We're all online. And so we take them off our list. But yeah, we're always adding to that list. So if you want one, email us at uh, info at scpauctions.com. We'll get you a catalog. Get your catalog. Nice, nice. Well, thanks so much, Mike. Really uh, great to, to talk to you. I know, uh, you know we've been in touch with you guys and doing some amazing things. Uh, and hopefully we get another another big thing like that, half a honus. I mean, that was so interesting and, and just fun, right? It makes the industry a little bit more fun. Absolutely. Yeah, we want one of those items too, believe me. Thanks, Horatio. I appreciate your time, man, and, and for having me on. Absolutely. Have a great, have a great afternoon, Mike, and uh, we'll keep in touch. All right. Take care. It was a pleasure speaking with Mike and getting a behind the scenes look at an auction house like SCP. It's amazing to hear how working around sports artifacts never gets old and in fact can deter from getting the more mundane parts of the job done. But SCP, which was established in 1979, has always been able to meet the demands of the market and look forward to bringing more amazing items at auction. If you enjoyed today's podcast, let others know about it. We find our guests so interesting and knowledgeable, and I know others will too. Or leave a review or hit the follow button. Until the next episode, take care.